All right, thank you for that, ladies. Appreciate that. Let's turn our Bibles to Ruth chapter 2 this morning. And uh, last time we were here, we recognized that Ruth now is gleaning in the field of Boaz. And she finds herself in that place of grace. And yet the, the detail we didn't quite look at last time was just the fact that this was, a, this was the, the story really where, where it really pivots. And this is the time where, where Ruth meets really who the protagonist of the story is, Boaz. And we're going to focus a little bit on Boaz today and, and, and think about just the, the, great, the great type that he is of the Lord Jesus. And, you know, I think there's all of us here, if we were to sort of trace back in our history, there'd be, there'd be times where we recognize our life pivoted because we met someone. You know, maybe there was a, a, a mentor or a friend that really affected your life and uh, you know from that point forward your life changed. And, you know, one of the things that, that our kids like to ask us is, how did you meet, how did you meet mum? And, you know, maybe your kids have asked you that story, uh, asked you how that came about. And, and, and sometimes you, you recall those times in your life and there, was, there wasn't really much to it. it. You know, it's not like the movies where you, you watch something and it's so obvious when the hero comes, doesn't it? All of the music builds up, you know, the wind effect, all of that comes about and you start to, obviously it's the hero coming into the story. And... And yet in life, the, the soundtrack doesn't happen, does it? It's just sort of just sometimes life just happens and you just don't know exactly how significant the moment is until you look back. And, you know, for, 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 for many of us, you, could, you would probably say that even in meeting your, your significant other, that was really, in many ways, it, it didn't signal anything. It didn't sort of say anything about how significant that person would be. And I don't know if, uh, if I've told this story. My wife and I, we, we met through church. Um, we, we, were, we were already part of our church for quite a while now. And they didn't, they didn't come to our church until uh, a few years later. And we actually met at, at, a, at a church picnic. We went to the Central Coast and we had a church picnic. And I remember uh, us uh, boys were playing cricket and, you know, having a great time. It was a, a beautiful scene, just much like today. And we were just having a great time, and, and I was batting, and I look up, and this girl was coming into bowl. And I didn't know that this girl was coming into bowl. Firstly, I thought, how is a girl bowling? But anyway, that was just me. <laughs> but she comes running in, and she bowls, and you know, I'm pretty sure I hit her for six, because that was the rest of the story of our lives. But <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know that, that this girl bowling in was going to be my wife one day. But I look back, that's our origin story, you know. That's how we met. And I know, I know, I know. Just, we should make a movie. But, um, but you know, I, I didn't know my life would pivot at that point. And now uh, you should hear my parents' story. Should I, should I share that? My dad's even more romantic than me. But uh, their story is they met in college. And, and it was a rainy day, and they were, this was in the Philippines, and what they have there is when it rains, there's a power outage all the time. 
And so it was raining, and they were in class, and, and what they call there in the Philippines, it's a brownout, all right? So all, all the power was out. And so my dad, sneakily, he volunteered to buy candles so that they can continue the lesson. And so he went, and he went back, and what my dad did was purposely, he bought one candle less than what was needed so he can share it with my mom. Now, wow, telling you what, when I heard that, my dad just elevated in my, amazing. But, you know, my mom didn't know her life was going to pivot at that point. And and you you sort of, it's interesting to hear people's histories of when they met, when their lives pivoted, and and sometimes it just, there's no clue as, as how significant those meetings are. And, and, you know, it just, we, we learned last time, it just it was a, her hap, Ruth's hap to just be in this particular field. But what she didn't know was she was going to be in the field of Boaz. And actually, Boaz coming into her life was going to be the, the pivotal moment that really turned things around. That actually came, came about that her, her full rescue was going to be through this man, but she didn't know it at that point. She was just in the field of grace. And, you know, many times, many times we can look at all of these significant moments in our lives and look back and and recognize in hindsight how significant they were. But I'll tell you the the one that if you're saved here this morning, whose entry into your life absolutely changed your life, it was the entry of the, the kinsman redeemer, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His entrance into your life changed your whole story. And the entrance of Boaz's presence and his, his, his interest in Ruth changed all of Ruth's story. Ruth was just a struggling widow who had a mother-in-law to look after, and so she was gleaning according to the law of the land. And that wasn't enough, though. The law wasn't going to be enough. There had to be someone that really changed the course of her history, and Boaz comes into the picture. Boaz comes in and... and and I'm unassuming, really, Ruth was. She was just in the field, and Boaz takes great note of her. And, you know, many times I think about our own stories, and sometimes we're mistaken to think that somehow we're not noticed, that somehow we're just going around. And, you know, sometimes I speak with different people, and they don't even recognize it. They're still under grace. Actually, the daily goodness of God is upon their lives, and they're not even recognizing it, but they're in the field that they need to be. And actually, all of the goodness is there, and and God, in His graciousness, gives us grace. But that's not enough. There's got to be a meeting. There's got to be this this meeting of the kinsman-redeemer to come into their lives to actually really, truly change the, the course of their history. And this is really what happened for Ruth, and I hope that's happened in your life at some point, that you met the Savior, that you've, you've put your faith and trust, and you've met Him, the one that could undertake for you the very needs of your life, and, and I hope that there's been a time, and really the whole point of the book of Ruth is to introduce really significant characters that'll come into their lineage, and, and really the only reason that Ruth was ever in this lineage was because of Boaz. She, she wouldn't have belonged otherwise. 
Sure, she belonged somewhat to the lineage of Elimelech now, but that wasn't going to be the thing that, that the, the, the personality that that was going to change the rest of her history. It was actually Boaz. And we know that later on, that really the whole point of the book of Ruth is to talk about the, the coming in of Boaz to come to the rescue. But also out of that lineage then would come another that we read much about, that we would preach much about. It's King David. David would come later on and it'll, that'll bear out in chapter 4. And we understand that, that from, from this, this hopeless situation where death had seemed to cut away any future for them, the, the coming in of Boaz would renew that lineage and then bring new life and then comes David. But turn with me, if you know this, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 because someone greater than Boaz and someone greater than David will come down the line. And in Matthew chapter 1, we know that this great lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ would be born out for us. And notice verse 5 with me, Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. And Salmon begat Booz of Rahab, and Booz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And this continues on in this, this kingly lineage. And then it goes down to verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, and of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. What a lineage. You think about how now Ruth is mentioned among some of these characters that we know about and read about in the Bible. But that whole lineage is only significant and not, not really because of King David, he was just a man. But because there's a part of that lineage now comes eventually the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that really the, the story, your story and my story really pivots when Christ comes into your lineage. When Christ comes in and is introduced to you. And that's really the, the, the hero of your story is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was through the circumstances of God's choosing that we have this type of the Lord Jesus, Boaz, come into the picture. It, it, was, a, it was God's providence. It was God's, uh, God's, God's uh, picturing and, and type of, uh, of, the, of the Lord Jesus being, uh, being, uh, being one that, that includes those that weren't in the lineage before. And I want to tell you, those of us who are here, you understand you've been saved. You weren't part of God's lineage before, but you met someone who put you in the lineage and now you're part of the family. Now you belong. Now, now you were a stranger just gleaning from the grace that was given. But now you have, you, you, you're part of the kingly lineage. And now you are joint heirs with Christ. The Lord Jesus did that for you and I. And I will tell you that so many times we watch the society that we live in. And they just are basking actually in the grace and goodness of God. And what we have to do is introduce them to the Lord Jesus. Introduce them to the Boaz in their life that can turn everything around. And you know, we, we learn from this story, really the, the, the character of Boaz and really his role as the kinsman redeemer. And his name simply means to be strong. And you know, when you consider the situation that Ruth and Naomi found themselves in, they needed another strength to get them by. They needed someone else to bear them up. And it was the strength that he was able to lend in this time of desperate need 
that really produced grace in Ruth's life. It was his strength of character. It was his strength of substance that made him really the perfect grace giver. And there's a great picture there of the Lord Jesus. And notice with me firstly, as we, we think about this passage of Scripture, the nature of the kinsman. Notice verse 3. We read it in previous readings, but notice in verse 3, And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to be uh, to light on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz. And notice this really importantly. He was of the kindred of Elimelech. And so for him to be an effective kinsman redeemer, someone who is a type of a savior, a type of a hero that comes in to change the course of the story, he had to be a kinsman. He had to be part of the kindred of Elimelech. Now we go back to the first chapter and we understand that they were, uh, they were now under, uh, under the, the, uh, the family of Elimelech. Elimelech died, his two sons died, Malon and Chilion, and now we have Naomi, and we have Ruth, and then Orpah, who had turned back, but they're now back, Ruth and Naomi are back in Bethlehem, and they find themselves, finds, Naomi finds herself gleaning in the field that belonged to a kinsman or a family member of Elimelech. And, and I want you to know that that's an important piece of information. Because it really comes down to, it demonstrates Boaz's qualification to be a redeemer. You know, not anyone could redeem them. Not, not anyone could come and, and he, she could have been gleaning in every other field and that's all she could have got. All, all of the scraps from the floor, it would have gotten her by. It would have gotten her through the, the difficult times, uh, at least through to some point. But for, for her to see complete rescue, she had to glean in the field of a kinsman. She had to come to a place where, where the, the one that that field belonged to could qualify to be a redeemer. And for that to happen, it needed to be a kinsman, a near kinsman. And the nature of the kinsman, it had to be someone of the same lineage, and it had to have had the responsibility, the right, and the ability in the law to claim a, a redemption of that person. So go with me, look at Numbers chapter 27, and we'll see the, uh, some of the, the factors of that. Look at Numbers chapter 27, and notice verse 6, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren, and thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. So there was a situation where there was a claim made and there was saying, in the Lord's giving instruction to Moses on how that's going to be. Notice verse 8, And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man die and have no son, then ye shall cause his inheritance to pass unto his daughter. And if he have no daughter, then ye shall give his inheritance unto his brethren. So inheritance is can only come by the lineage, a blood lineage. And if he have no brethren, then you shall give his inheritance unto his father's brethren. And if his father have no brethren, then you shall give his inheritance unto his kinsman that is next to him of his family, and he shall possess it, and it shall be unto the children of Israel a statute of judgment as the Lord commanded Moses. So if there was any claim of inheritance, it couldn't come via a, 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 
family via marriage, it had, through, had to come through the blood lineage. It had to come through the kinsmen. And so if, if, the, if the one who was the, uh, the, the owner of the, of the inheritance didn't have any, any sons and then didn't have any brethren, it had to come to the nearest kinsmen. And that's an important distinction there because we're going to learn later on that actually for Boaz there was a nearer one. But for now we see that she is in the, that, that Boaz really comes into the picture as, as to their knowledge, the nearest one. And, and that's by no accident at all. There, there was something that God was trying to do in the life. They were trying to, he was, he was, he was showing that there was going to be one that was going to be worthy of right by the law to take possession, to take care of these ones that were in desperate need. And so he gives this, this ruling to, uh, to the nation of Israel as a statute of judgment. That's how they were to judge inheritances. All right, so go with me now to Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus chapter 25, and there's an expansion of this, and we won't take the time to read the whole thing. You can, if you'd like, in, in your time, but in verses 24 to 49, there's a description of this, an expansion of this, this law. Notice with me, and in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. In verse 25, if thy brother be waxen poor and hath sold away some of his possession, if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. So even in, in instances where there was a, a piece of their possession that was sold off, the only one that had the right to redeem it or buy it back was a kinsman. Had to be a blood relation. Had to be someone who was in the likeness of that person. Does that sound familiar to anyone? He had to come in the likeness. Look at verse 35 and he continues on. And if thy brother be waxen poor and fallen in decay with thee, then shalt thou... Uh, shalt relieve him, yea, though he be a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with thee. So even those that had come under their protectorate as strangers, that was included in the possession. They had, a, they had the, the responsibility to look after the, 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 the possession of their brethren who had fallen poor. Look at verse 39. And if thy brother that dwelleth by thee be waxen poor and be sold unto thee, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bondservant. So they even had the ability to give them freedom and release from any kind of, uh, any kind of responsibility that they bore through any debt that they had. So you understand that the kinsman is actually quite an important person in the person's life. You understand that they had the power and right by the law to be able to rescue someone. In verse 47, if a sojourner or a stranger wax, wax rich by thee, and thy brother that dwelleth by him wax poor, and sell himself unto the stranger or sojourner by thee, or to the stock of the stranger's family, after that he is sold, he may be redeemed again. One of his brethren may redeem him. Had to be a brother, had to be someone that was blood related, either his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or any that is nigh of kin or the nearest kinsman unto him of his family may redeem him, or if it be, or if he be able, he may redeem himself. So even the fact is that if he had the ability to redeem himself, he could, but many people didn't have the ability to redeem themselves. 
You understand that, that for us as sinners, spiritually we can't redeem ourselves. Someone had to come to redeem us again. Someone had to come and had to have the ability, the worthiness under the law to redeem us. And you know who that is for us? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great picture Boaz was. He, he was worthy because he was of the bloodline and the lineage of Elimelech to be a redeemer. He was a blood relation. You know, later on in, in Mark chapter 12, there was a question there presented to Jesus in verse 19, Master Moses wrote unto us, If a man's brother die and leave his wife behind him and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. This, even into Jesus' day, this was, a, a, this was something that was practiced in their time. There was a great type there and, and he had to be a blood relation. Boaz had to be a blood relation to perform the duty of a kinsman. The kinsman redeemer had to be in likeness was the point. And listen, the Lord Jesus, God himself came to this earth in the likeness of man and he had to come that way to redeem us. He had to enter into mankind. And that's why we understand that as much as he was God 100%, he had to be 100% man to be able to be our redeemer. And for, for Boaz to be the, uh, a qualified by the law, redeemer, he had to be a blood relation, but he had to also have the ability to meet their need. He, he couldn't have a debt himself. He, he couldn't be someone that, that, that had to, uh, to, 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 take, uh, to, to pay for his own debts and his, some other responsibilities. The, the reference was that that blood relative had to have the means by which he could ma- meet the obligation. All right, the point is, The person in need can redeem himself if he wanted to, but if he can't redeem one that didn't have any other responsibility, one who had no other debt for himself, only they could meet that need. And and that's why it's important, again, we understand that the Lord Jesus, he had no sin. The Lord Jesus was a propitiation for our sin. He he had no debt to pay. That's why none, none of us could... None of us could pay for someone else's. Hey, listen, for you kids, as good as your parents can be, they can't pay for your sin. They've got their own sin to worry about. But listen, the Lord Jesus had no sin, but he became sin for us. He took our sin, he took our debt, and he was able, he was able by the law to redeem us. Why? He had no debt of his own. But then the third thing is this, not only did he have to come in the likeness not only was, uh, could, was he able to meet that need, but he had to be willing to redeem. He had to be willing. It still was a choice. He had to be willing to redeem. He had to, a choice to pass up on the responsibility to another. And we won't take the time. We're going to cover it uh, as we go into chapter, uh, chapter 3. But there was a nearer kinsman, but he wasn't willing. He had another responsibility. The Bible tells us, that that nearer kinsman had a wife and had another possession. And so there's a, there's a great type there, actually, of the law, which we'll look at. Because sometimes people look at the law and think that through the law is salvation. No, the law was not willing. The law had other responsibilities. The law had something else to offer. 
But listen, we had to have the Lord Jesus who came in the likeness of man, came with no debt to pay, came sinless. And then also, gratefully for us, he was willing to save us. Listen, he didn't, he didn't have to. God could have left us to our fate. God could have justly allowed all of humanity to go into a place where they would have had to pay the place of hellfire and brimstone, hell. But because we had a willing Savior who willingly laid down his life on the cross of Calvary, listen, we are saved and we can be saved. And that's the reality, that's the nature of the kinsman. And so Boaz fulfilled all of these really in the life of Ruth. But you know, it comes with some duties. You see, if you do choose to be a kinsman, there's certain duties. The kinsman in his willingness to redeem, he also had some important duties to fulfill. And we read some of those. Let me summarize that for you. He was to redeem the inheritance. So all that, that, he, that, that possession entailed, the property, the land, it had to be brought back. He, he was able to redeem the impoverished, those that were, um, were, were needy in that, that field. Those who were sojourning, those strangers, those poor, they were to be redeemed. He was also able to avenge the injured. The, the, the Bible tells us about the revenger of blood shall slay the murderer. And there's the, the kinsman was the only one that was able to avenge the injured, those who had been, been, uh, been placed under their, their care, who had begged for their mercy. Only the kinsman redeemer could do that. And we see that, again, that as we, we observe our lives and we see that the, the duties of the kinsman is really pictured in the Lord Jesus. You understand that when Jesus came, he redeemed us to a, an inheritance incorruptible that fadeth not away. You know, the losses of life, they're all redeemed through the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that in our impoverished state, in our leanness of soul, in our beggarly situation as sinners, Jesus gave us all we needed and he nurtured us. And you understand that as we are running away from the revenger of blood because of our sin, listen, we ask for mercy and the Lord Jesus gave us mercy. And he fulfilled all of the duties of a kinsman. And yet we see this great picture. Firstly, we understand that the picture of the kinsman, as we think about Boaz, we understand that he was a, firstly, really we're going to see this later on, he was a redeemer of Israel. Because he, in, in, in redeeming Ruth, he also redeemed Naomi. He, he redeemed Naomi. Naomi is really a picture of Israel. And we understand that one day, God's economy is going to go back to dealing with Israel again, and he's going to redeem Israel for himself. And where death was with Israel, there's going to be life again. And we'll look at that later on. We're going to see that God's not done with Israel yet. God's put them aside for a little this time. But we understand that there's a, there's, a, there's a place for them that God has. But he's a redeemer of Israel. But then, really, the great picture, again, is that he's the redeemer of the Christian. You know, Ruth is a great type of the Christian. Again, we weren't in God's lineage. We weren't there. God, God had no, really nothing to do with us apart from where his creation, he's our creator. But because of his redemption, because of what the Lord Jesus did, he brought us back, he redeemed us. And he's brought us into his lineage. And really that's what Boaz did for Ruth. He brought her into his lineage. 
You know, in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, who gave himself for us, why? That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Listen, the Lord Jesus redeemed you for a reason. The Lord Jesus redeemed you for his possession. He's redeemed you to, to a, a place of, 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 of belonging to him. In Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. And the Lord Jesus willingly took on the curse for us. He took on the penalty of sin. And I want to tell you that, that as we go about our lives, let's not forget that, that that penalty is paid. You're no longer under the bondage and the slavery and the, 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 the risk of sin. Listen, all of that is gone away in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can live victorious today. You know, it's too many times we forget that we are a redeemed people. That we, can, we, we sometimes go about in the doldrums of the, the struggles of this life and we understand that we still live in a sin-cursed world. But listen, you're a redeemed people if you're saved. You're redeemed. And we can live that way in the victory that we can find in the shadow of our kinsman redeemer, the Lord Jesus. But Boaz cast a great shadow on the life of Ruth. And we see that, that the thing that we learn is there was not only the nature of the kinsmen, we see the responsibilities or the duties of the kinsmen, we see the great picture there, but we see the communication. And this dialogue begins, and this is all, by the way, this is all intro, so hang in there. We'll make an application later. But this dialogue happens between Boaz and Ruth. And for me, as I read through this, we, I, I hear the communication of Boaz to, to the one that he was to look after in Ruth. And we have a Savior who communicates likewise. You know, the, the Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, God commendeth or proved His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And there was a certain communication of His love. You know, if you ever wonder if God truly loves you, then I want to tell you the only evidence we ever needed was the cross. And the, the fact that He was willing to redeem in that way, and yet we see that He can communicated further. You know, many of us, if we would just listen into the voice of God and allow Him to remind us sometimes, there's many things that He's communicating to us. There's many things He's reassuring us of, He's commending. And many times we can, can be so distanced from the Lord that we forget all that He does for us. We forget all that He means for us, all that He intends for us. We can go about life and we get busy with just the gleanings of life, when, when actually there's, there's the one who is our Savior, who, who's actually trying to communicate some things. And, and we see this in the text as we go through it. Notice verse 8. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, says, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide there. Abide here fast by my maidens. The first thing he, he did is he gave her rights to his resources. You know, he recognized, remember he asked the question of his servants, who's this? And they respond, you know, this is Ruth, she's a Moabitish woman. And, and he takes interest in her, he gets to, he sees her. And he looks at her and you know what? She's gleaning, he says, go not glean in another field. He says, you belong here. 
says, this is, my resources are your resources. And listen, you know, many times we, we are so busy looking at other fields. You know, we, we have it needs, don't we? Those things that we require at times to just get through and many times we'll look at other fields, how everyone else is fending for themselves. We look at what means and ways and, and yet from the very outset, if you are here and you're saved, you've got your Redeemer in the Lord Jesus. You know, He gave you all the rights to His resources. He says, don't go to another field, glean in this field. Go my way. Find your blessing here. You know, many times we can go the world's way and we can try to figure out a, a means for ourselves. When the very resources of heaven are at, at, our, at our, really at our, the tip of our tongue, we can pray. We can ask for His hand of blessing and His help. And God does it in whatever way He sees fit and He's able. And, and let's not forget that we have, the, the, our Father is the owner of a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. That he knows where all of that, he knows how, how to get gain and he's, he's able to give blessing as he sees fit. And listen, so many times we try to go our own way and he's saying, no, no, glean in my field. And there's a, he gave her the rights to his resources. You know, he said in verse 9, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. And go there after them, have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? You know what he also, uh, else he gave? He gave her protection. He gave her the protection of those that were around. He says, don't touch her, let her be, give her freedom. He even says, when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. You understand that he gave her protection, he gave her sustenance. And I think about the Lord Jesus, how belonging to him. You understand, sometimes we, we take for granted the invisible those that are His servants, those who are His messengers who are around us, that invisible host, that angelic host that's around us. You know, too many times we just think that we're alone, think that we just have to journey through this life. And you know what? He's, he's put His seal upon you and He's given you the protection that you need. You know, those things that are unseen and that are wicked in the world, we don't have to fear them. You know, sometimes we get carried away with the, the spiritual realm and we understand that there's the, the battle of good and evil still. There's still that, the wicked forces that are out there. But I want to tell you, you have no fear when it comes to that. You have no fear. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he's given you, he's given his angels charge. He, you understand that he's given you the protection that you need each day and you just have to rely on that. You know, the horse is prepared for battle, but safety is of the Lord. And we can look to Him for our protection, both in our mind, in our heart, in our circumstances of life. And he, He's saying, don't, don't fear. Don't fret. You know, He's given us sustenance. He says, you know, if you're a thirst, come. And we understand that we have the fountains of living water. You know, listen, there's not just the... the, the those empty vessels, those broken cisterns that sometimes we, we glean our sustenance from. It's a false sustenance. Listen, only in Christ do we have an eternal living fountain that we can draw from in all of His resources, all of His strength. You know, sometimes we're like the Gentiles who seek after those things. And actually, we're supposed to seek Him. 
We're supposed to seek Him every day. You know, there's that great verse, my God shall supply all your need. According to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus, verses 10 to 12, notice, then she fell on her face. And by the way, I hope that when you consider the goodness of God, it humbles you. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Here's a point. Not only in his communication did he give all of that, but he also gave her commendation. You know, he, he recognized all that she did. And you know, for us as, as God's people, sometimes we can just go along and we are in the field. We're, we're, doing, we're doing what we're supposed to do. We're going about. And, 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 you know, sometimes we ask the question, does God even see? But, you know, he does see. And Boaz, he looked out and, and he said, you know, it's not lost to me all that you've done for your mother-in-law. And he's saying, I'm going to give you recompense. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God. And listen, God will give you a full reward one day. You know, many times we can just go on and sometimes we go through each day and we grind away and we're just going through it. And it's still under grace, by the way. It's still under His grace. It's still by His, by His protection. It's still by the shadow of His care and watch care over us. But sometimes we forget that actually God also sees and He's going to make a commendation one day. You know, we all like the verse Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward His name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. You know, I think God pays particular attention when our heart is to serve others. God pays particular attention. You know, Boaz mentioned, it's not, it's all that you've done for your mother-in-law. You know, there's much of life that we just do for ourselves. There's much of life where it's just about our survival and meeting our need and trying to get by for our gain. And, and God doesn't rob us of that. He allows that. But much of life is actually so that you can bless others. So that you can, by His blessing, isn't that the truth? You know, when someone gifts you something, when someone gifts you something, that's, that's an opportunity actually for you to gift someone else something. It, it gives you the ability, it gives you some freedom, it gives you some resources to be able to help others. And so many times we, sometimes all we're thinking about is just surviving our day. And, and there's seasons like that, isn't there? There's times where we just, if we can just get by today, we'll be happy. But, you know, God's not, God, God is actually, He's one, He's going to give you abundantly above all that you can ask or think. He, he's the type of God, actually, that if you go to Him for your your resource and your help and your sustenance and your protection. He's going to give you much more and, and He's going to take note when all of the blessings He's given you, you're going to bless others with. He's going to take note when your heart is for those who are 
can't help themselves in the moment, who are going through their journey and are going through their own struggle. And he gives her commendation for that, but then really he gives her great favor. Notice what she says in verse 13, she recognizes. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord. For thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. And Boaz said unto her at mealtime, Come thou hither, hither and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. And reproach her not, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. It was much more than, than she would have ever come to, to understand. And what, what we find is, you know what? God gives us how He communicates. He gives favor. You know, you ever come away from a week, and it was just much more than you expected? Hey, don't, don't discount that that was just the hand of God in your life. There's some weeks that you just, there are weeks you just sort of get by. There are weeks that you wonder how you got by. But there's weeks where you just rejoice. And sometimes, if you really recall, there's much more of those than you actually can imagine. There's much more where God blesses in so many invisible ways. Not, 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 not really known to us how, but God does it. And, and Boaz just instructs his servants, his young men, says, give more. You know what that is? It's favor. God gives us favor. You know, he says in John 10.10, 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Hey, the Christian life is an abundant life. The Christian life is one that we can look to the Lord all in our sorrows, in our pains, and in our struggles, in our, in our weakness. And in, his, in our weakness comes His strength. In our, in our, in our need comes his, his abundance. And too many times we're, we're looking at other fields and we're, we're, we're trying to figure out. And listen, God's trying to communicate to us, I'm here and I want to bless and I want to give you favor. And we ought to. We're to look to God in, in those times. And, you know, Ruth found grace in her gleaning. And we can find in our grace in our gleaning too. We, we can find that as we, we, we look to the means of which God has provided, and then ultimately we look to the one who is the giver of all those gifts, that actually we're going to have all we need and much more. And all of that was introduction. Here's the message. All right? Here's the message. Firstly, be a Ruth. Be a Ruth. How do I mean? Be a Ruth by leaning, leaning on the strength of Jesus. Because ultimately that was what Ruth had to do. Ruth, she could have chosen at that point to go to another field. She had probably the rights but she found the great grace and the great strength given by Boaz and she chose to lean. Now listen, there's too, many, there's too many who aren't Ruth, too many Christians who aren't Ruth, they're leaning on something else. They're gleaning in another field. 
So be a Ruth. Lean on the strength of Jesus. Hey, listen, Jesus has enough strength for all of us. Jesus has, has all the might. Jesus has all the answers. He has all the, 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 the care and the compassion that we need. And too many times we don't go to him. We run to others and we run to other fields. So be a Ruth. Lean on the strength of Jesus. But you know what? Because we can be in the likeness of Christ. Here's the second part of the message. Be a Boaz. And maybe, maybe God has brought you in someone else's life so you can be the pivotal character in that person's life. You know, God has given us all an ability and a strength to a degree. So be a Boaz and lend strength to someone else. You know, maybe this week you can just be there for someone who's struggling through and they just need a, a, vo- they just need a voice in their life. They just need a listening ear. It may be that God has blessed you with some abundance financially that you could meet a need in someone else's life and be a Boaz that way. It may be that it just, just your strength of character through a time when someone who's struggling to, to navigate through life and your, your life and counsel is the Boaz that they need in their life and you're just Christ-like that way. And so maybe this week we need to be both. We need to be Ruth and lean on the strength of Jesus. But maybe we just need to be a Boaz and, and give the strength of Jesus to someone else. And as we receive, we're able to give. As, as God blesses, we're able to bless others. And we're going to find that actually the blessing that Ruth gets flows abundantly into the life of Naomi. And we're going to find that out next week, Lord willing. But I want to tell you that we have opportunities this week to lean on the strength of Jesus. You know, many of us are weary. We, we've, had a, we've, had a, we've had a big couple of weeks, health, relationships, opportunities. You know, all of that takes some strength, doesn't it? But none of us have enough strength. We can only have that strength when we find it in another. And we find it in Jesus. Maybe you need to be a Ruth this week and lean on his strength. But maybe some of you, God's given you, and so now you need to be a Boaz and lend the strength of Jesus to someone else. It could be that you could be the Boaz that witnesses and tells someone about the Lord Jesus and their life pivots because you've introduced them to Jesus. You've introduced them to the one that can change their lives. It could be that you just witness that into your family and maybe you're, you're just, you have a family that you need to care for this week and you don't know how to get all the strength that you need and you just lean on the everlasting arms and then you lean and then you give because you've been given the strength. You can be both Ruth and Boaz. And that's the message this morning and I pray that as we go into our week, we Look to our kinsman redeemer, why he was worthy. He met all of the needs that we have. He, he qualified. He qualified to be our redeemer. But he's also communicating some things to us. And what it is, is he's got enough strength for you and I. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. And Lord, I'm just, just so glad for our Savior. I'm so glad for our Lord Jesus, who, Lord, is is full of might and power and is able to to carry us in our burdens. Lord, strong enough that he carried the burden of our sins and paid it and bore it on the cross and 
willingly in his power washed it all away. We're thankful that, Lord, daily you communicate to us for our needs. And, and Father, I can't help but think that there's many here who are just going through some great burdens right now. And Lord, it's your strength that they need. And maybe even the strength that you give us, Lord, to be able to bear some burdens for them. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as a church to just go in your strength and in your power. And then, Lord, to lend that strength and power to others as we go about. And Lord, we're thankful for the, how our stories have changed because of your, your coming into our lives. And we pray and we rejoice in who you are. And we're glad for it.